This podcast is presented by the Ed Narrative, a place for reflective discourse about education. Visit theednarrative.com to subscribe to this podcast and the blog. And please remember to leave a review on iTunes so that we can grow this community of educators. So welcome to the first episode of the podcast. My name is Darren Ralston. I am the producer of the podcast. And I just want to say, uh, please bear with me as this is, of course, a new experience for me. So any any missteps, etc., you know, I'm hoping to get all that ironed out by the time we uh, move further down the road with other episodes. For this edition, I will be talking with Maureen Jensen, who's a lead coach with Albemarle County Schools, about Elena Aguilar's book, The Art of Coaching, which is an excellent way to start since uh, we're going to be opening this podcast with a series on instructional coaching and the texts that relate to that. So enough about that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. All right. Well, let me check and make sure we got a good picture here because that's the first thing. Oh goodness! And, and I crop guess it, put <laughs> crop it. it. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put a Victorian <laughs> sepia tone on it. Yeah, that looks good. Cool. Okay. So, so no other group has done this yet. No, not All yet. Right. We're gonna. I'm scheduled to come in again uh, next Thursday with Neely and Matt. Cool. So, and we're going to talk cognitive coaching mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and then it'll be the um, cultural, cu- culturally, what is it, diverse? Uh, the, culturally responsive yeah, coaching. Yeah, culturally responsive coaching, mm-hmm. mindset, mm-hmm. and differentiated coaching. So it's all related to Yeah, it's, it's every one of the groups that we've mm-hmm. got. Who's the but intended I think audience for this? For this, it's, mm-hmm. it's us. I okay. mean, I, I don't know. I mean, really, this is more of a way for us to have a good conversation around the texts that we refer to for mm-hmm. our professional development. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe we should jump into the book. Yeah. What do you think? Yes, and I, I feel like I don't know it as deeply as I should for this conversation, but we'll see. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think really what's, what's most valuable is the stuff that you retain. Mm-hmm. I want to see how this connects to what we do. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first place to start would be what, when it comes down to the art of coaching, what is sort of the takeaway, the first thing that you think of when you think of this text, what's what, and its value? I think that um, she talks a lot about having the coach or the coach needing to find his or her own way. And I think that's a struggle for teachers who come from schools or divisions that are very either top-down or everything has a process and everything has a structure. And you do this first and you do this second, you do this third, Mm -hmm. and that's the way we do it. And she talks about how um, there's a lot of ambiguity in coaching and how to – I like the part where she talks about developing your own vision rather than – getting a vision of coaching from Amaral County Public Schools. Right, right. So I, I think I, I like that a lot, and I think about this book as sort of the the intro to coaching or the second year of coaching. You know, we talk about what books line up with what you're thinking and what you're doing at the time, and this is really like that beginning of, in my mind, the beginning of the second year. It connects to a lot of things that you're kind of 
processing through and grappling with as a coach. Right. Well, that, I mean, it's funny that you say that because that's, I mean, I'm in my second year and that's when I picked it up. I had it, you know, last year and I think I loaned it out to somebody and I'd say that fits. I mean, you know, with, with what I've been doing, you know, some of the things that I've read in there, for example, um, she has a chapter on an observation and using the lenses mm-hmm. for, for the, you know, goal setting. Um, I've used those approaches in post-observation discussions or those meetings around getting teachers, you know, some support and, and helping them be more reflective and think about how they can approach their methods. And it's been it's been really kind of cool to come to it with a year under my belt and seeing, okay, well, I would have done this this way last year and that probably wouldn't have been as effective. It definitely gives you, um, I, I like her setup for for the why of coaching, but it is the how, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it really does get into um, the difference between a directive coaching experience or um, a facilitative coaching experience. You know, what you're talking you're about doing. the stances that yeah. she has. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that was weird when, uh, and I'll let you get back to it, but yeah. like the, the idea of it being a stance, it makes me think of like martial arts or something you know (laughs) maybe she calls it that because she really talks about being intentional like you're going in there knowing based on past conversations or where you left off in the last um interaction where things need to be based on where where the where the teacher is at that time so i think she she wants you to be prepared right yeah she has a very strong sense of deliberation about it the work plan she's got a coaching journal that she mentions and then uh, one of the other things that I found interesting, given our model, which is not, I mean, there's that firewall for us between admin and the teacher, yes. uh, the confidentiality, which she says that she wants that confidentiality to be in place. But at the same time, there's a, um, a coaching log that she keeps to report what they're working on, you know, which I found sort of at odds with it. But at the same time, I can understand it, right. you know, but the we whole thing SharePoint, is, well, yeah, so yeah. we have that. But the thing is, is SharePoint for us, you know, SharePoint's, you know, what we're using to track our our interactions with teachers and set our goals. Um, SharePoint for us isn't necessarily directly shared out to building admin, which is which is different from what this model that she's talking about, this transformational coaching. And I think that's her district, the one she works for. Mm -hmm. Um, But. It, it was interesting to just see to to what extent she is suggesting that you be very meticulous in coming into an interaction. Right. And and that's where you can't take um, Aguilar's The Art of Coaching and say this is the handbook for the right. Albemarle County instructional coaching model. You have to look at it with a very critical eye. Yeah, we have a lot of handbooks. <laughs> <laughs> because there are things in here, like, like you just mentioned, that probably um, – wouldn't wouldn't fly with the way our model is currently um, running. So you can't just say, oh, if you're a coach, then do everything in the art of coaching. You have to really understand the mission of the model of your division right, to yeah. do that. So, And, I, you know, that's the thing. I, I know we have our model. You know, we call it the model. The model. You know, the model. Right. But the, but the thing is, is I don't know. And this is because this is the only type of instructional coaching I've experienced. Um, it, it makes me wonder, you know, to what extent there's sort of a, a guiding light for other districts, things like that, where they have their own model. Is it explicit or is it just we've got some coaches and we're going to send them where they need to go? 
Um, I know that a lot of other divisions um, use the gym night model right. for yeah. coaching, so that mm-hmm. many, many do. And a lot of those models are coach in one school. Okay, and yeah. And I think that for our division, that you know, there, there's purpose in not doing that. And there's purpose, and, and she gets into it too, about um, a little bit about coach as teacher. What do you not mean? As, not coach as somewhere between principal and teacher, mm-hmm. this middle level where a lot of coaches are in a lot of different models. It's teacher and then coach, and then coach talks to principal. Mm-hmm. For, for her ideas about coaching for transformation, it really has to be coach as teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and then your teacher partner feels comfort and trust and um, the ability to feel vulnerable knowing right. that this conversation and these interactions are here and staying here in this room right. and won't be part of evaluation or, or even, in, even in passing conversation um, in a, probably in a very innocuous way to a principal. But still, it's, there's something about your you're my person yeah. and, and this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, I, I've seen that firsthand in, in some of my interactions, especially, you know, when you, when you have a novice or, or somebody who's coming from another district and they don't know our model, mm-hmm. um, they aren't sure about, you know, that, that sort of peer to peer relationship rather than, you know, there being that upper level that's kind of glancing in at all of your all of your secrets or, right. or the underwear drawer as right. we sometimes call it right. you know it's so so it is interesting to to see how that affects us in Albemarle here and and also just sort of how we kind of have to push against that too when we when we enter into a coaching relationship push against you're saying push against um the idea that it that it may not be what We'll push against some of the preconceived notions of what instructional coaching can be or is in other districts. Okay. I, had a, I had a teacher who I was working with who uh, went back to the Curry School at UVA and said he'd been working with an instructional coach, and they all gasped. <laughs> and they're like, <gasps> and meaning that, meaning he, that he was, was doing something wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was messing up. And, um, and then he's like, no, 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 it's cool. I, right. I, I like him and we get a lot done, right. you know. Right. And, and he said he had to explain that to them, that that's not how it works for us. Now, and obviously it's not that way everywhere. Sometimes, I guess, you know, instructional coaches are firefighters, you know, and, and that's just mm. not really the way we're viewed here. No. And, and I think that that's, I think that's a great thing for us. Um, and, and, you know, Aguilar tries her best in, in the text to really honor that idea of that relationship, too. And, and I think that's cool. But, it, you know, it's, it is one of those places where there is a little bit of pushback, too, from the other ways that there are structures put in for, for her district that she's working with. Did you have uh, Did you have anything specific that you had on your notes that you were? Well, I was. I saw you I peeking was, at them. I was thinking about. Um, I can't remember all three, but she talks about sort of the three big roles of a coach, and one of them, I think that is, um, I've heard coaches talk about not really agreeing with is the idea of gradual release from the partnership. Sort of like the fade away, uh, right? Of or, thing, I, or I should say gradual release, maybe from the from the interaction or maybe even the partnership and that cognitive coaching gets into that a little bit too Mm -hmm. about when you are transparent in what you are doing you then hope that the teacher 
takes on the process and says, I can now replicate okay. this in my PLC. Right. I can now replicate by myself. I can right. do this with my grade level partner. And it's, you know, we talk about coaching yourself out of a job. I don't really love that term. Right, I know. People the first time I heard it, I was like, what? I, right. Yeah. <laughs> but she talks a little bit about that gradual release of responsibility. And then in cognitive coaching, which I know you're going to talk to some great folks mm-hmm. about that, yep. um, about being very transparent and intentional in what you are doing. Like today, we are going to, pro- based on what you said, we're going to problem solve and I'm, we're going to follow this map. Right, right. Rather than some voodoo magic that you have mm-hmm. in your head and the teacher has no idea what you're doing. So right. she talks a lot about the, the in order for transformation, there has to be transparency. Um, and I think that's important. Yeah. And I mean, I know when I'm with a teacher I'm, or teachers, if I'm working with a group, I mean, my goal is to be completely open. You know, I'm I keep things on shared Google Docs, or if I'm working on paper, I, I offer to either show them the paper or, you know, make a copy of it, whatever they need, so that I'm not, so that it's not like, you know, any question that there's something that they're not aware of, you know, and, and I'll, I'll open up any notes that I have for an interaction ahead of time so that they can, you know, see it or, or talk through, you know, right. these are the things I was thinking we might want to cover. Yeah. So there seems like there's some kind of a there's a continuum of transparency. Maybe this I just came up with, and if it takes off, I want to be you know. All right, so we'll brand continuum of transparency. We'll we'll make sure you get the uh, PD trips (laughs) because, and and I guess it all depends on where the teacher is too in um, their ability to be reflective or desire to be reflective. Um, But that point of there may be some people where like showing your notes is one thing, Mm -hmm. but actually like uncovering your mind map oh wow you know as a coach is it is different you know so like and then maybe there's none of that at all there's just this sort of um you know she talks about a I don't know if she calls it a lens, but the, the cathartic interaction where you're just there. I think that, yeah, okay, the, yeah. Yeah, just there to, like, listen, boo-hoo, right. whatever. Let them, let get them it go. Out. And yeah. you're probably not going to say, I'm going to write all this down and I'm going to share this oh, with right. you. Oh, right, yeah. Like, so yeah. at that point you're like, hmm, maybe we don't. Right. When we're going to solve a problem, plan a unit, something like that, maybe. And then maybe when you have a relationship for a long time or a teacher who seems really primed for it, then you say... I'd really like to share with you my process Mm -hmm. and how I'm working because I think that it could play a big role in your PLC. You know, I I want you to know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, And I want you to think about your thinking and think about our thinking and and sort of that I think that comes to that idea of the gradual release of responsibility and um, not maybe coaching yourself out of a job because there's always a new hurdle or a new idea that even the most seasoned teachers or seasoned teacher-coach partnerships need to tackle. I don't right. think coaching yourself out of a job is really, um, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I guess before we get too much further into the art of coaching, I realized we hadn't even introduced ourselves for the podcast. <laughs> so, um, so first of all, my name is Darren Ralston, and uh, I'm heading up this podcast project. And uh, today I've got one of our lead coaches with us, uh, Maureen Jensen. The lead coach title means a lot of different things. Um, it also has a like a, a coordinator lens. So I um, oversee English K-12, gifted K-12, and a, pro- a fabulous program that we have in Amaral County. It's a national program called AVID. But I think my favorite part of my job is 
the coaching side of things more than the coordinating side of things. So yeah, I can see that <laughs> a, lead, a lead coach, you know, has has a cluster of coaches that he or she works with, and the relationships that you build in that cluster, um, for me, satisfy um, a need that I have to think deeply and push push my assumptions about things and I think the cluster does a really good job doing that so I um I work with an elementary cluster uh, for coaches in an elementary cluster that I that I really enjoy yeah yeah I I really I like the cluster format it's it allows you to have kind of a small family inside of a big family yes and it, it gives you um when we're in ICPLC, which is our large coaching PLC with all of our What does ICPLC <laughs> stand for? Huh? Instructional Coach Professional Learning Community. There we go. Um, sometimes, you know, with a large size like that, I don't think a lot of people feel as comfortable to ask questions that may that may yeah, make I, them I've look vulnerable. Yeah. So when we go to the cluster, it's like, all right. So at ICPLC, <laughs> we talked about da 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 yeah. What do you really think or how do you really feel? Yeah. And people um, definitely open up and, um, and share their share their opinions feelings worries um and i think it's i think it's a great model that we have there's also and i know for new coaches as well and maybe not you there's also a little bit of a struggle and i think a struggle with a sort of lack of ownership of a classroom or a group of kids oh no i struggled with that the the whole first semester of last year i was i was like oh my god i don't have a tribe i don't have my kids right so yeah it was it was hard to get over that but then as I as I got integrated into the schools where I was, mm-hmm. and I started to know the people there, and I mean, I'm at the same schools I was at last year, and now I've got kids who recognize mm-hmm. me. The other day, I was co-teaching in a classroom, and one of the kids, uh, two days later, saw me in the hall, in the hall and he goes... <gasps> And I was like, oh, wow, that was cool. Do that again. You know, so, so it's been really good. But yeah, at first, I, I mean, it was it was an uphill battle for me, you know, emotionally. I, would, I You know, the first day of school last year, I was I was here at Monticello High School and I had come from a high school classroom. I see all these high school kids doing high school things that were totally familiar to me. And I realize a second later, I'm like, I don't know any of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to see any of them in my classroom in 10 minutes when the final bell rings. And that was a little bit hard that, that to have that sink in. But the thing is, is now through, and, and this is something else about coaching. And I think that, you know, Aguilar gets into it too, is that it's a gradual process. She used this whole metaphor about farming, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how there's, you know, there's just, you can't just dump a bunch of seeds and say, I'm a farmer. You have to do research. You have to be methodical. Um, You know, you have to do all these things to really sort of gradually build something and grow something. And that's how coaching has been for me anyway. I mean, this second year of coaching, I've had deeper relationships with the teachers. Um, I've, I've had more teachers reaching out to me because they know from other teachers that have worked with me that that was a positive experience. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a struggle at first. It is. But the thing is, is so is any enterprise. Right. It's a different way of working. And until you can make that shift to that way of working, I think there's, all, there's this constant longing for the classroom and yeah. kids. Well, and you know that. Yeah. As, as a teacher, that's right. what you knew. Right, right. But I think 
reading something like getting your hands when you're when you're going through that, getting your hands on something like the art of coaching and reading through it and sort of um, having Aguilar validate your concerns and fears mm-hmm. that this is a common trajectory in what new coaches go through. Yeah, um, it's nice to and and then say and here's what you can do. You right. Know? Yeah. And she has sections where what if a teacher won't work with me? Yeah. Right. And I mean for us that that may or may not play out the way that it does for her in the text because we work on an invitation Mm -hmm. basis where it's, you know, the teacher welcomes you in rather than you pushing in or or being sent in. It's one of those places which, you know, frankly, when, when we look at some of these texts for coaching, whether it's Jim Knight or whether it's Aguilar or whether it's Kai's, um, we're, we're not completely in the same model as they are. And so you have to kind of retrofit uh, to to make it work and make sense. That metaphor, I think, of of the farmer, I think it's very apt. One of the things we as coaches tend to do, and and she she refers to this idea, and it's cognitive theory, really, is that there is a whole concept of narrative when it comes to self-identification, who we are, what we do. We have to create a story. Why did this happen? How did I get here? And that's all narrative. Right, And without that, how do you justify what you're doing if you can't sort of say, this is who I am, that's what I'm doing, you know? I mean, and I feel like she did touch on that quite a bit in there. And I I think that's to her credit in this text because she starts off in the early chapters talking about the purpose for coaching and what do you do when you're coaching someone whom you maybe don't agree with their methodology or their approach, how, you know, you just really need to humble yourself and create sort of a self vision, Mm -hmm. you know, an identity that you can bounce those things off of. I'm here for so-and-so. I'm here to make them uh, the best teacher they can be on their own terms so that it's not something where, you know, she's like, oh, you're doing this. You need to try this instead because this works for everybody else. Right. Not having perfection or getting to that final part um, be the enemy of progress. I know that when you talk to coaches, they're like, well, we did this, but there's so much more to do. And Mm -hmm. we're so far from what the kids need. But you took that first step. Right. And there you're building trust and a relationship and you're honoring this the pace the teacher need in which teacher needs to go um so i think that i always i'm always saying that to myself and to coaches in my cluster you know don't let perfection be the enemy of progress because it's going to ruin your relationship with no that's from a perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) right i've had to fight against that really throughout my whole education career because you come in as a new teacher and you're like okay so my kids are going to do this they're going to listen and they're going to they're going to be happy about all the stuff we're going to do because it's really cool and it just doesn't always spin out that way you know and so yeah that was a huge obstacle to get over that idea of perfection and i think i can see that being i mean one of the things that's hard coming from teaching into coaching is it is a career change, you know? Absolutely. And when you come into a new career, you have a preconceived notion of what it's going to be, and you think it's going to go like A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes X, Y, B, A, and it skips around until you can find the music to it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I like that. I like, mm-hmm. the, I like the don't let, what was it, perfection? Be the enemy of progress. Right. Somebody famous said that. I didn't well, say yeah. That. <laughs> 
we'll pretend it's you because <laughs> okay. I don't know who said it. And it's hard because <laughs> as teacher, we went into coaching. I think most of us went into coaching as um, after very or during, I should say, very successful teaching careers. Yeah, where we got our rhythm down, and right. we were known for probably. Um, doing things pretty well in the classroom mm-hmm. and then you're it's sort of like they're you know and you're yeah. back to square one you're a right. novice and you can't you cannot use the same skills you used in the classroom right. and when you try to do that you yeah it's you a totally different skill set sometimes right. it's i mean sometimes it's the same but right you know there's enough overlap that you can you can get the feel for it but right. you know because we do work from a generalist model but what it means to me is i get to see how other really talented people put things together in a way that works for them i've seen different models of student interactions people who are able to make you know this very free form thing really successful and then other people who still keep that very rigid sense of you know desks and rows facing the front but the kids respect them Mm -hmm. to a point where they're like oh I love that teacher you know and when so much of what we see and hear in the idea of innovative and progressive uh, education uh, movements is you know, don't put them in rows. Don't do this. Don't do that. Well, some people have it down in such a way that they're able to win the hearts and minds of their kids. Right. Well, you know, for Admiral County Schools, uh, the mission um, is rigor, relevance, and relationships one student at a time. And it was Mm -hmm. purposefully changed to put relationships first. So if you keep your desks in a row, but you have these amazing relationships with kids mm-hmm. I mean I think there's a little bit of a trade-off there right um, and and also the assumption that desks in in rows is the absence of something else I know. I'm not sure when I've had teachers who are who are responding to say uh, an administrative walkthrough or or something like that you know they, they'll they'll maybe make note of you know well they saw this and this but they didn't see what I did 10 minutes right. later right. you know I, I think it's really so much of what happens in classrooms tends to be invisible to the larger public. And as, as coaches, we get a chance to have those repeated exposures and see the bigger picture. And I think that's really valuable. Yeah. There was one, um, one quote in here that I, I wanted to highlight, and I really liked it. It says, um, what's the characteristic of a good coach like if you could say one thing what's the characteristic of a good coach and she said it's not asking good questions that's what everyone's going to answer a great coach is always working to be a better coach and I think that that's what this podcast is about that's what these books are about that teachers can always see that coaches are working on getting better that coaches can see it in each other that the coach knows that I'm constantly looking for another book another podcast another conversation another way of thinking another way of connecting with a teacher that I'm struggling with um, that that's just constantly going on mm-hmm. in in the back of their mind right and, yeah and it, it's a constant process of improvement right right, right. Um, and I like that you're saying it's not about just asking good questions mm-hmm. right some questions are really boring <laughs> and some questions are really just recycled over and over again but the thing is those can be really productive and sometimes even the simplest question can yield a really high reward, mm-hmm. you know? So, Especially if there's authentic curiosity behind right. it. Yeah. I think teachers 
Um, and I was a coach in the beginning, the early years of the model, the early year of the model. <laughs> and then um, a coach would come in, and I, I could recognize the question for questioning's sake. Just to fill and up I, air? Is that what you mean? I, 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 it felt like that, but I, could, I would connect to the coaches who, were, who seemed really curious about the work that I was doing or the students were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just takes either it's innate, you're, you're, you're curious, or um, it takes time to get to sort of perfect that questioning to where it's not about... <laughs> I need a clarifying question now. Oh, yeah. I Wait, need a probing I need to, yeah. question now. I need, you know. Just have that little checklist right there. Okay, I asked that one, that one, and oh, it's time for me to clarify. Right. Okay. And maybe there's the, there's in, in, for new coaches, that's a process, and maybe you have to go through that. Um, yeah. Because, you know, well, that's I often. I, mean, a, I think that's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's sometimes, you know, it's like, I mean, I do theater too, and, and sometimes you just got to bumble through the script before you get a handle on what right. you're doing. Right. And I mean, I can see that. Yeah. There's a there's a quote I think it's from oh god it might be Saint Gregory it's an old <laughs> old quote but it's you know that there's a power in a question that doesn't lie in the answer mm-hmm. right the question itself is what demands the response it's not the answer once you have the answer sometimes people just decide that's good enough and they move on but if you can get a compelling question that doesn't have a clear cut final response then what happens is is you're able to grow something. You know, you may never resolve whatever that question may be, but what you might do is you may broaden it to a sense that you really understand where that question's coming from and what the issues are that made that question arise. And that really, I feel, is one of the things that if you can latch into that curiosity mm-hmm. uh, around what we do and what teachers do, um, that's really where you get into uh, some strong coaching experiences. There's power in the question, and then there's, and I like, and I, I don't know if anyone said this, so again, I'd like to say right, so trademark. Yep. Right there. There's ownership in the answer. Mm-hmm. So Right, when you can get it, yeah. Right. Does, do you want it to be the teacher's ownership or yours? Right. So if you're providing answers or structures, how much ownership do they have of that? Do they feel that they can do that without you, or are you creating more of a dependent relationship with the teacher so I, that's there's power in the question there's ownership in the answer so i was thinking i want the teacher to own that yeah so i want them to, an, to well, answer and, you know sometimes some of those hard questions the answer is hard too and if you can own a hard answer mm-hmm. then that can mean you're opening the door to some really strong progress right. um so yeah i like that i mm-hmm. think that makes sense to me mm-hmm. so one of the things, and this is where I'm kind of probing into the book, but not really feeling like we have a strong connection in this regard. Um, she doesn't really get into working with another coach in a specific interaction. Like, I mean, co-coaching with, like, um, this year I've done probably more co-coaching than I did last year. I did I did a fair amount. I worked with a couple coaches um, but this year, we we in our cluster decided to kind of uh, take a look at working with novices in, in a more co-coaching capacity. So that what happens is eventually, you know, as we get further on into the year, and we're almost at that point now, we can be interchangeable. So that, you know, uh, a novice will be able to say, um, okay, I've got, you know, I've got Darren for today, or, or or I've got Maureen for today, but they are in touch with each other. We can keep going. We don't have to 
we don't have to go backwards right. in order to move ahead. Um, what would you, how would you say, looking at, at this text, co-coaching would figure in, or, or do you feel like this is something that maybe is just alien to the model as she lays it out in this text? Well, I think you can look at co-coaching from two perspectives. You can look at it from that you're both that coach for the teacher, or you're co-coaching and one of you is the coach for the coach. Okay, so like the meta-coach the type meta coach. thing. And I think yeah. she, although she doesn't get into co-coaching, I think she'd be more along talking about co-coaching in, in along those lines. Well, along the meta-coach where That's there's somebody right. who's kind of right. helping the coach to right. become be re- a better yes, coach. Yes, yeah. and, and definitely um, use you know reflective strategies to, to look back on an interaction and then make a plan to make the next interaction better. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you're right, she doesn't really get into co-coaching but I think we we in in our division throw around the term co-coaching but I think we're all defining it a little bit differently um and so I I mean how do you mean so I think um either the meta are you co-coaching for the coach are you co-coaching for the teacher um and then Sometimes there's the idea of, well, we're co-coaching for the teacher, but I'm going to be the silent one, and you're going to be the one that's interacting with you. Or are you both having you know, interactions with the teacher asking questions? Mm-hmm. Is that carefully planned, or, th- or is it thought? Yeah, is there a thoughtful? Yeah, because that can in- go awry. That yeah. can. So yeah. uh, when you say, let's co-coach on this, I always want to say, great. How do you How? define that? Yeah. <laughs> what are you defining as co-coaching? Yeah. I would love to. Right. Let's do <laughs> but, it, but, but let's like figure sure out how we're going to do it that so we are that it works. That we're on the same yeah. page about this and then what I would need from you as a co-coach in order to feel good. Because I know, I've seen, um, I've been in conversations where we went in that together and we were not on this, coaches were not yeah, on the same they're page. they're working at cross purposes. And, yeah. Or I have, a, you know, my philosophy on coaching, it seems to be just a slightly bit different than the person that I worked with. And mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable with the way oh, the interactions well, yeah. I haven't had down. one of those yet. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of cluster work and talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, you know, and that, I think I think you're right. I'm having, like I said, having that sort of small family, that nuclear family that mm-hmm. figures into the big family mm-hmm. for for our total group of coaches. That's really a good place for that stuff to come out. And I know that, you know, in, in my cluster, we've really had a lot of discussions around. Okay, well, how are we? Yeah, I think I think that is a good point that the right. cluster really helps to set the terms ahead of it so that we don't come in defining as we go, which can really create problems for a teacher that's Mm -hmm. looking for help. Uh, I did have a question because in Aguilar's book, she does mention coaching administrators, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how helpful her approaches have been. I mean, I don't get to coach administrators. That's not in my description. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get a chance to to work with administrators as well as, as teachers and do some coaching at, at all levels. Mm-hmm. Without getting into specifics, obviously, what kind of strategies can you say you've been able to pull from Aguilar as far as working with administrators? I think um, administrators are tough. <laughs> what may, I mean, yeah, what makes well, it tough? Well, with teachers... Um, the PLCs are often there. Mm-hmm. The coaches are in the are in the building. Mm-hmm. That collaborative nature. There are structures there for that. Okay. So having those conversations is not 
um, it's not foreign or it's a feeling odd or awkward uh, in any way. Uh, maybe not. For the, maybe for the, for the teachers, teachers, it's not awkward. No, I, well, I mean, maybe there's some PLCs that are dysfunctional or right. there's not structures in place. But it, there is, like, I have my grade level team. I have my content area. I have There's more coaches. of a support is structure. It, is that yeah. what you're and saying? And when, with, a, with a principal, mm-hmm. especially principals that are on their own and don't have APs. Well, oh, at the elementary level right, especially, right? Because there's a lot of single right, administrators. Right. Yeah. So um, a lot of times the interactions is just someone to to hear and listen. I didn't even think about that because I'm, I mean, I'm coming from a secondary background where there's a team of principals at every site that I go to, right. whereas you're working with the elementary. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even so, consider that. And a lot, you know, a lot of things that they um, want to talk about, they couldn't share with anybody in their staff. Right. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. I'm really struggling with this. Da, 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 da. They have they can't they have to keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it comes down to more of that um, sort of cathartic lens where the it's cathartic just. Lens. <laughs> I love I love that term. It's just so. It's it just, seems hyperbolic in yeah. a way, but it's. I mean, I don't know that it is always. I mean, sometimes it's exactly that. Yeah, and it just sort of all comes out. I find that I have to sort of make sense and say. Um, my question is always, well, if we had to do one thing tomorrow, then <laughs> right. what would that be? You know, and just try it because it, there, it's just volumes coming in at once. So mm-hmm. I find that I have to sift through it and just ask the question to sort of to narrow everything down a bit. Right. So that's I, I, I tend to use that principles the most. Do you like, tend to, to talk regularly with them, kind of have a, a standing appointment or no? It depends on the principal. Okay. It depends gotcha. on the principal. It depends on um, new principals want Need to it more. and want yeah. to have more conversations. Okay, so yeah, I can see that. Principals that have been in buildings for a while sort of have built their network mm-hmm. or they have other principals that they that they look to right. as, as uh, informal coaches or things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, the newer principals tend to, to want to have those those kinds of conversations um i've found that it's always about narrowing things down to the one thing or the one approach or the one guiding question for pd for that year because it seems to be like so many things going at once right well and i mean i i mean i did an admin internship and i've seen what goes on in the office and you know it's amazing to me the amount of things that can just pop up Right out of nowhere. Right. It's like, hey, I didn't know I was doing that today. Right. You know? And and so yeah, I mean I can I can imagine being in that situation where you're you're constantly in the middle of everything. How do you deal with that if you've never been in that situation twenty well, I guess twenty four seven? Because you can get called out of bed for something, right. God forbid. Right. You know, but um, wow. Yeah, I so, didn't so, even consider that. Yeah. That's so for me it's how's it going and then it and then it's what's the one thing you can do or what's the biggest problem that needs to be solved right now or it's mm-hmm. those kinds of things that just help focus. Not that they're not focused, but there's too, there's so many things mm-hmm. that it, that um, you just have sort of have to help um, bring the walls in a little bit. <laughs> right, yeah, make the room a little smaller uh-huh. so you can so you can deal with the stuff at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much does it for today. Thanks for uh, for going on this adventure with me. <laughs> I am excited to see how this goes and hear the hear the cognitive coaching. Yeah, podcast. yeah, I'm we're going to do that, that next week. Um, I'm probably not going to be able to get this thing edited and up until after Thanksgiving, but um, but 
yeah, I'll, All right. you'll be the first to know. Thanks for having me. <laughs> right on. Thank you. <laughs> cool. It's a wrap. So that was episode one. Uh, not too bad. I'd like to thank again uh, Maureen Jensen for talking with me in the studio. It was a good time. So make sure you check out the next episode, which is Cognitive Coaching with uh, Matt Salerno and Neely Reagan. Uh, catch you next time.